Welcome to Curious and Candid, conversations with those in pursuit of more. Today's guest is an intuitive transformation coach and healer. Today's guest is Ashley B. Jones. Ashley, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. You're you're very welcome. I'm excited to have you on here. I'm excited to chop it up with you, get into your story, Ashley. Before we kind of uh, get in, into your story uh, in, a, in a deep way, I kind of have uh, four questions I'd like to ask all of my guests uh, just to kind of get the conversational ball rolling, so to speak. So um, the first question that I'd like to ask you is how do you start your day? Is there any specific routine or ritual you like to stick to on most mornings and on most days? So it's interesting because routine is something that I've typically struggled with throughout my life, having structure. Um, and as someone who works in the spiritual space, I typically am very much like, let's just go with the flow. Re more recently, I've been implementing routine and I, every day I wake up at some point in my morning, I will meditate for 20 minutes. I will read a book. Um, I will journal at least three pages. Um, and then I really like to just spend time sitting and connecting with myself. So I want to create space and let myself be creative with what that means every day. Sometimes it means going out and sitting in the sunshine. Sometimes it means going to the gym and lifting weights. Sometimes that means like taking an extra 30 minutes of, to sleep in like that really creates different space. So every morning, part of my routine is sitting and making sure that I feel connected to who I am in the morning and what I really want to feel. Um, so I can move through the day feeling really confident in who I am and, and knowing what my energy is. And I think sometimes when I move throughout the world, and I don't know if anyone else can relate to this who's listening, I get very influenced by other people's emotions and influenced by things that happens. So I like to create that baseline of like, okay, where am I today? What am I feeling? So I can navigate then throughout the day with where I'm going and what's coming into my life. Now, um, I want to ask you a little bit about uh, your meditation practice in the morning. There's all kinds of different forms of, of meditation, uh, all kinds of different interpretations of what meditation is, what it's supposed to look like, so on and so forth. So for you, Ashley, what have you found in terms of your meditation practice in the morning to be uh, of most value uh, to you or for you? So when I sit down to meditate, I first started back in college when I started meditating with the Headspace app, which was really helpful just to identify the idea of sitting, observing your thoughts and realizing your thoughts are not who you are, which was, you know, I would do like five minutes before class. And when I was living in New York City after college, I did a Vedic meditation course where you were you're supposed to sit for 20 minutes twice a day first thing in the morning and 3 p.m. in the afternoon. And they, they give you a certain mantra with the Vedic meditation teacher you go to that you repeat then to bring you back into alignment. Now, I kind of fell off that bandwagon and don't totally remember what my mantra was originally that I was given. So I will create an intention or I will use Reiki, which is one of the things that I'm trained in to create this level of centering to just sit in silence and observe where my mind is. And when you really sit in silence for, I would say more than five minutes and your brain gets bored, I would say that's the moment when you really flip into a meditative state of just allowing your brain to focus on something else. It's almost like connecting your mind to a level of awareness of just sitting and being present with what is. 
if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yes. Um, what is your journaling uh, practice in the morning consist of? Is it kind of like a gratitude type journal or are you just putting thoughts to paper? What does that specifically look like for you, Ashley? I really brain dump. I think it sometimes it can be what I'm feeling. Sometimes it can be something I'm thinking about. Um, sometimes I will pull cards to initiate a journal. Like I'll pull two or three cards, one card, and I'll reflect on what that means. And then I'll let what's coming up in my subconscious and my unconscious kind of spill out into the paper. Um, I like to be a little less methodical about my journaling practice. So less of like, dear diary today, I am going to like, if you read my journal, it would not read as a, on this day, this is what I did. It's more of like, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking about. This is what's coming up for me. This is what I'm struggling with. Like, this is thing that I'm ruminating on. Let me just put it onto paper so I can get it out of my head. Um, and I found that writing is very, very cathartic and it's almost a way that I'm talking to myself. So I'm able to write something and be like, oh, interesting that you said that. What about this? So it kind of feels like a back and forth between myself, my unconscious and my present self, um, if that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. I uh, write in the morning myself uh, and I found uh, writing to be very, uh, very therapeutic at different times and seasons of my life. And I, I really find value in writing in terms of okay, there's something inside of my mind or inside of my being. And I find it very, uh, 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 I guess the word that comes to mind is like, it's it's very like releasing or it's a type of release when I can get whatever's inside of my being or inside of my head and, and get it on paper. It's like a, it's a release. And then I can kind of move on with my life, right? Otherwise this thought or these thoughts are kind of in my mind or in my being and until I release them, they're just, they're just kind of constantly there. If it's something that, you know, is, is of importance or value, if that makes sense to you, Ashley. A hundred percent. And I think there's a moment of externalizing that helps a lot of taking what is in us and putting it outside of us. And I often, when I do workshops where I teach like almost automatic writing or channeled writing, where I say, write faster than your thoughts, mm. like write thought to paper. Cause I will go back sometimes in the morning and be like, what was I thinking? Like, that doesn't make sense. I spelled that wrong. I don't remember thinking that, but a lot of times when you write faster than you think or write thought to paper, so you're not even processing the thought before it hits the paper, it's allowing you to externalize stuff and doesn't have to make sense. Like some mornings it'll literally just be chicken scratch or scribble over my paper. I'll just draw and draw to move something physically, somatically out of my body. So I'm not, everything's just not stuck in my head. Excellent. It sounds similar to what you've said. Yes. Yes, of course. Um, next question, uh, for the conversational starter questions, Ashley, what's your favorite book or podcast? Um, if there's more than one, feel free to share. If you want to name a book and a podcast, uh, you go for it. I'm going to give you two books. This is one of the hardest. You said that. And I literally sat back in my chair and was like, oh my God. It's like someone asking my favorite movie or favorite song. I'm such an artistic person and I love to read so much that asking, it's like, I don't know what my favorite child, you know, sibling is or my favorite cousin. Like that's such a hard question. Um, so I'll give you one of my favorite scientific or like nonfiction books. And then my current favorite fiction book Disclaimer, this will probably change within a week. <laughs> there are many. Um, if you have interest, like you can DM me and I'll just give you like lots and lots of books. But my favorite, one of my favorite spiritual books that really changed my life 
was Many Lives, Many Masters by Dr. Brian Weiss. Um, he is a board certified physician, psych- psych- psychiatrist who through hypnosis with his patients discovered past lives and the patient started to basically channel or recall their past lives in this hypnotic state that they then wouldn't recall in their conscious state, which was fascinating to me. And then the level of information that came through, um, kind of blew my mind as I was first getting into this work and I still recommend it. It's a short read to all of my clients have my grandma reading it right now. She's having a full on time with it. Um, and she's loving it. And I think that it really brings, which I'm very passionate about blends the scientific and the spiritual and creates almost a level of structure and almost this dual perspective from the nonfiction or the fiction side. I am a huge fan of the throne of glass series by Sarah J mass. It is a story about a, um, assassin who, moves through these different trials and tribulations. And I think that the whole series as a whole really speaks to the evolution of one's character and what you can do when you tap into your own power and really look at all life has given you and choose to make something different of it. It's almost, I really believe in claiming your destiny through free will and choice. Uh, so fate is something that happens to us that we have no control over how we respond and what we do with that is our free will and together fate and free will are what then define our destiny. Mm-hmm. And I really think that that book series just like was, it was part of my life for a very special time of my life. And it stretched so long. It's very similar to Harry Potter to me, where it just like took me into this fantastical mystery world of getting to explore and dream. Mm. Um, do you listen to podcasts? If so, do you have uh, kind of a favorite one or a couple that you enjoy, Ashley? I don't listen to as many podcasts as I'd like to. The one that I got really into recently was is called the UFO Rabbit Hole, um, which I found fascinating. I did an eight-hour drive to Kansas, where my family is from recently, and two of my friends recommended it to me. And I find that the way that the host approaches the phenomena of ufos or um uaps which is like unidentified aerial phenomenon is like the new i think proper pc way to call say to ufos because they're like we don't know they're we know they're we don't know they're flying objects we just don't know what they are um but she goes down each different rabbit hole like what it could possibly be and brings in different aspects of science and of quantum physics and of astrology and astronomy and then she brings in um, archaeology and like world history. So I, I find that very interesting for myself to like go down these different, you know, you, you think it's UFOs, but then it becomes this like giant history lesson on like how, how we are the way we are. So I really enjoyed that one. Fascinating. Yes. All right. Um, what life lesson have you been taught or have you learned, uh, within this past year? Hmm. That is a good question. You can't force it. Hmm. And the more that you feel like you're trying to prove something versus doing what actually is working for you, the more, the less in alignment you are. Hmm. And I entered into this year running two different businesses in the summer. I had to have a, a sit down talk with myself that this wasn't working. I didn't know why it was working. 
And I decided to, rather than have life make the change for me, which I think it often can, often can do, I, you know, practice what I preach and practice what I talk about a lot around listening to what I actually wanted and then made a decision based on that. And I think that was one of the the biggest accomplishments of this year. And one of my greatest life lessons of like, I always have a choice. And if I'm really, really forcing it or burning myself out constantly, like it's, it's not of service to me. I, I, I love that statement. Uh, you can't force it. Uh, I, I think that's something that I will continue to have to be, uh, reminded of, uh, in my life because I'm very like, you know, type a and, uh, very disciplined and driven and all the things. But uh, at some point, all of those qualities, which I think they're, uh, you know, great qualities in any human being, right? Uh, but at some point, those qualities can can consume you, they can mm-hmm. destroy you. Uh, and if you are constantly trying to kick down doors and, and mm-hmm. just go against the grain, so to speak, of the flow of life, Um, it's, it's exhausting and and it's unsustainable. So, um, you, you can't force it. I think it's very powerful if we allow things to unfold as they're supposed to in our life. So, um, that's a beautiful statement. I, I appreciate you sharing that, Ashley. Uh, the last question, um, before we take a, a deep dive into your backstory, do you have a favorite quote, mantra, or word. You can't force it would be a great one, but maybe something outside of that one. Uh, if, if something comes to your, your mind. Can I give you two? You can give me two, or you can give me 20, whatever works best for you. (laughs) Uh, my mantra this year that I am pretty sure I got from Esther Hicks who on a TikTok or an Instagram reel, Everything is always working out for me, no matter how it looks at any given point in time. And I say that over and over in my head, because I think sometimes I can get really sucked into the specifics of what's happening in my life. And if I can zoom out into everything is always working out for me, it really shifts the perspective of, yes, something really, really horrible happened. I need to sit with it. I need to process it. But can I change the way I'm relating to what's being served on the platter in front of me? The other one that I have loved and will love for the rest of my life that I memorized in third grade, we can't all do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. Mother Teresa. Very cool. You're, you, you got some, you got some good uh, quotes there, young lady. Thank <laughs> I you. Like I like it. Yeah. Uh, okay. So uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna transition Ashley into your, uh, your upbringing, your childhood, your backstory. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna take a, a deep dive as I've mentioned a couple times up to this point. So let's start with, uh, where you actually physically grew up. Uh, what was your childhood like? Maybe just touch on some of the, the highlights, maybe touch on some of the, the turning points. Uh, you know, what was your relationship like with your parents? Was there any, influential, uh, you know, individuals, adults in your life, in your childhood, if you would just kind of walk us, uh, through your childhood up to about high school, um, and you can talk about high school. And then once we get to high school and talk about that, let's stop because, uh, we'll kind of, uh, transition, uh, from that point. 
Wonderful. So I was born in Palo Alto, California. I grew up in Menlo Park. So I'm from the Silicon Valley, the Bay Area. Um, I am the oldest of four girls. And when my, I have three younger sisters, two of whom are identical twins. When they were two years old and I was four years old, they were diagnosed with a incredibly rare brain abnormality. There was an issue with the way that their brain formed that resulted in severe cognitive and developmental delays along with epilepsy. Um, I have a little sister who's eight years younger than I am. She is, all of my sisters have such a bright light in my life. And then when I was nine, my mom had breast cancer. So pretty early on, I was, felt like I was getting hit after hit after hit with a lot of really big things going on, but I had a wonderful childhood other, other than that. Like I spent a lot of time playing outdoors. I loved to um, play like, you know, I would make pillow forts. I would make like little homes for fairies. Like I had very incredibly supportive parents who really were interested in allowing me to experience life to its fullest and to dive into my own imaginative world. Um, when my mom got cancer, that was obviously a really intense and traumatic time where she was kind of absent for a year, two years as she was, you know, going through chemo, um, having surgery, like pretty intense for a nine-year-old to deal with, especially with a one-year-old little sister and two six-year-old sisters who had special needs. And, you know, my mom is from a very, very close-knit family and my dad's family was supportive and, they very much like wrapped this cocoon around us and showed up where a lot of the people in my life growing up were very much like second parents. My mom's parents and I are super, super close. They're who I was visiting in Kansas, which is where both of my parents are from. But post my mom having cancer, I felt like I had been catapulted into adulthood at a very young age. I felt like I was having these big emotions. I didn't know what to do with. I was trying to grapple with you know, she didn't physically die, but it energetically felt like she died to me. Like I had lost a parent for a really big portion. And some of that, uh, influential bond that I had with her at a very young age disappeared. And so I was dealing with the grief and the turmoil and the fallout of, um, just a lot of like things happening that were taking away from the space that I felt like I could just be a kid. And a, a big point for me throughout middle school and throughout my you know, elementary school years is I just wanted to be normal. I wanted to be able to relate to other kids. I wanted to be able to just like have fun. And I felt like there was the world, like the weight of the world on my shoulders always. And I started to deal with some mental health stuff. I would say around 12 or 13 up, you know, late middle school into high school. And that I think really, you know, it was, it was, a lot of the time I, I didn't understand what was going on. I remember people would tell me like, Oh, just look at the glass half full. And I was like, I don't give a, you know, I don't care about this glass. I want to throw the glass out the window. Like the glass is full of air and it's full of water. And who gives a shit about the glass? Part of my French, but like who I was just like, so angry at life circumstances and that I just, I, I was, I was struggling really, really a lot. Um, and a lot of my, you know, high school years really were defined by trying to figure out who I was really wanting to be liked, really wanting to fit in, really wanting to understand how to feel good and to feel happy and struggling with what that even looked like for me and how to heal through some of these really intense things where, you know, I would wake up in the mornings and one of my sisters would have a seizure or drop a ball, you know, a glass of milk or, you know, when, before they got their seizures under control, 
control, they would hallucinate and they would scream like monsters were chasing them, which is, you know, there wasn't a lot of, you know, despite truly the best efforts of my parents, there wasn't a lot of like calm growing up. And upon reflection now, like I was living in a state of fight or flight for most of my childhood and just not like you trying to trying to manage and trying to figure out like how to feel really good and that doesn't mean you know that i didn't have i played soccer i you know went to this incredible camp here in colorado which is why i moved here later that was this um moment of safety where i had never felt so like myself and i went there for the first time when i was nine the year after my mom my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer i went there about nine months later when i was still nine years old and just had this moment of peace and nature and in the mountains. And I love animals. So I rode horses and I got to connect and they don't allow any type of technology. So there's this complete disconnect from like the outside world to really dive into who are you, who do you want to be and how do you want to be that person in the world? And that was one of the biggest, I would say one of the largest influences in my life growing up was getting to be at that camp and getting to figure out who I was. And I always felt like I came back and I was like a whole different person as if the mountains were like changing me. As, as they do for so many of us. Right. Um, okay. So some other things that I kind of want to pull out of that, uh, you know, uh, childhood Ashley now, uh, in terms of your responsibilities that, uh, were kind of put on your shoulders, maybe by your dad, uh, when your mom had, uh, you know, her, her cancer and things like that. Do you, cause you, you said when you were kind of sharing a little bit about your story, you felt like the, the weight of the world was on your shoulders. Right. So mm-hmm. did your dad, whether intentionally or unintentionally, uh, you know, give you like, uh, more responsibility within the home or was that just something that you kind of felt like, Hey, I'm the oldest child. You know, my mom's going through cancer. I've got sisters that are, are, you know, struggling in, in, in their ways. I I've got to, I've got to step up. Like, was that like ever mentioned or do you just feel like that was something that you took upon yourself or was that pressure just, just kind of there because of the chaos that was going on around you and, and within your own family? You know, I think it's a little bit part and parcel. It was incredibly hard for my dad to watching my mom struggle like that. And I think we both felt, you know, I don't want to necessarily speak for him, but from my experience, like there was this big disconnect from the family unit. And my mom is such a pillar in our lives and is very much like the person in the community and the person who's like making things happen. And I think when she got sick, you know, my grandma was there all the time. Like my mom had super close friends, but there was this like, which I've talked about this feeling that we were shut out a little bit and she very much kind of like buttoned down the hatches and I wanted to be helpful and I wanted to be connected and I wanted to make things better. And I think that's just who I am by nature is someone who wants to really connect and support and whether intentionally or unintentionally, that role was opened for me and that space was, kind of taken upon by me of like, and I, you know, when we go through traumatic experiences, whether it's like a big T one instance, like trauma, or if it's more complex of like a, like long thing that happens over time, our brain will disconnect a little bit from how it went down. And so while I have certain memories from my childhood, that intensity of that experience, I think overshadows a lot of like what happened for me and the, the fallout of it, if you will. 
Now you mentioned this camp in Colorado. Uh, what type of, was it like a, a religious affiliated camp or what type of camp was it specifically? Uh, and then outside of the camp, was there any other specific individual or experience that you had when you were younger that you feel like uh, really had a positive influence on you at that time? So the camp is in Estes Park here in Colorado. It's called Chile Colorado Camps. It is a not religiously affiliated camp. So they we had chapel every Sunday, but it was more of this spiritual experience or um, moment where we'd all gather and someone would give a talk about like kind of like this, like very life perspective. I remember, I never forget this talk about the four different stages of knowing. You don't know, you don't know you know, you don't know, you know, you know, and then you don't know, you know. And I think about that all the time. And so there were these very influential, very um, deep life lesson talks, and then people would sing and we get up and, you know, talk. And so it had that element of um, church without the religion behind it. Um, but it, it really, you know, changed my life. It, you know, at age I think I was like nine. I peaked a 13er. Like they just like they, when you're in like the middle age group, they have different age groups for how old you are. Um, my little sister in that age group peaked longs, which is the tallest peak in the Rocky mountain national park at 14 years old. So they really take young kids and push you to your limits and show you what you're capable of. You know, like you're riding a horse really fast and you just learned how to ride a horse two weeks ago, or you're, you know, going on a Tyrolean traverse and like holding yourself over a ravine. Like you're really pushed to face your fears and to explore who you are as a person. And it's really about, I would say character development, um, which it was what it was, which is what it was for me. And I'm trying to think if there's another person at that time that had a huge influence on me. Honestly, my grandmother became a second mom. I'm very, very close to her. She has always had this perspective of, family and of connection and of support that I think I really needed and we really needed. And she is someone that still to this day, I will call and talk to and connect with. And she provides this, you know, she's an incredibly interesting woman who has always been a force of nature in her family and in her community and really taught me to push against societal norms and to claim my identity as a woman. Um, in a way that was really, really, really influential for me as a young woman. Very cool. I like that. Um, now you mentioned earlier being like an individual that's, uh, you know, artistic and, and, and you try to really tap into your, your creative side. So when did you kind of realize that you had this creative side or this artistic ability? Was it in childhood? Would you touch on that for uh, a moment, Ashley, please? Yeah, I think I was always a bit of a performer. I, my mom, I remember I was a part of a um, summer camp where we would perform musicals every year and they did the Wizard of Oz and I got to be Glinda. And I remember it just being this very magical experience for me. I've always been, you know, a big lover of music. I've always loved to paint. I've always been a storyteller. My dad and I, as a kid, used to tell these made up stories in our own language that we had. And I think I've always just really connected to that when I was in high school, something that truly got me through those years was playing the guitar and writing my own songs and singing. And there's something about being able to express myself poetically that allows 
that allows me to process my emotions outside of like, this is what I'm feeling versus like, I feel like a dark stormy cloud screaming in the sky. Like there's something that just like really spoke to my soul that allowed me to transmute what I was moving through and into something else. So I wasn't having to hold on to it and art and da- I, you know, I would dance around my room. I'm sure my parents would say I would blast music in my room. So you, you knew I was up there doing something um, and just like dance and like shake it out of my body. I think it's always been a way for me to release and to let go of, of my emotions that I'm having. What was, uh, what was some of the, uh, the go-to music, uh, or groups or individuals when you were at that age, blasting it in your bedroom and dancing? Do you remember? I am a big Taylor Swift fan and I will always be a very big Taylor Swift fan. I have loved her since like fifth grade. And it's funny. I had a friend recently asked me like what my favorite album was. And that was again, like what my favorite book is. I was like, I don't know. And each one has such a meaning because it's that period of time of my life when it came out. It was her, uh, some Ellie Goulding was in there. Ed Sheeran was a big, I was a big fan of him. Um, my gosh, what is their name? I'm going to forget their name right now. Pompeii, Bastille. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Pompeii, Hosier. Like there was a lot of just like, and then you, you have the like One Direction was another really big one. That's what else you are coming from my bedroom. <laughs> I, 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 I enjoy uh, some of the, the Taylor Swift stuff. Uh, I'm I'm confident I'm probably like a generation uh, older than you because I grew up with like, uh, you know, not that I really listened to it, but here's the thing in, in our art class when we were like in uh, uh, elementary school, uh, I still remember the teacher's name, Mr. Frakes. Uh, he would he would let us like, you know, bring CDs and we would we get to listen to music mm-hmm. uh, during art class, which was cool. But usually us guys didn't bring, you know, CDs. It was always the girls that had the CDs. So I grew up with like just being brainwashed with uh, like Backstreet Boys and Hanson, (laughs) Spice Girls. I mean, there's still, I'll be just going through a day and it's like a Spice Girls little, just like one liner from one of their songs when I was in elementary, it'll pop in my head. I'm like, art class, you know what I mean? So, uh, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, there's just something though, which I know you know this and probably a lot of the listeners know this, but um, there's just something so powerful about music. Right. And I love what you said in regards to like, you know, the Taylor Swift, um, albums or CDs or whatever, like, um, there's different seasons where it's like, I can be driving in my vehicle, listen to the radio and a song will come out. I'll be like, I'll remember like, Oh, I was, you know, in high school when this song came out, I remember I was dating this individual or it was at prom. I remember this song. Actually, I was listening to the radio just for a quick second yesterday um, and an, an Eminem song came on uh, called uh, Lose Yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember I would have been uh, a sophomore in high school, JV basketball. That was a part of, uh, that was one of the songs in like the the, the warm-up uh, kind of uh, 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 playlist or whatever when I was, uh, you know, playing JV basketball in high school. So that that's a perfect example of just like the power of music. And how cool it is to be like, you hear a song or you hear a, a certain songs. It's like, it takes you right back into time, right? A hundred percent. And it's interesting how whatever that song is, usually it's capturing like the senses that we're experiencing. You know, I, in middle school, we had like book assignments for the summer. You had to pick two books to read and write a book report on it. If you guys remember that, I don't know if it's still a thing, but 
there was a very specific Miley Cyrus song from her first album that I, uh, it was a something about the ocean. I'm totally going to space on it right now. But I, whenever I put that song on, I think back to my room and how I just got in. My mom had gotten me one of those Costco memory foam mattresses. And if you ever had one, when you first get one, there's a specific smell they have. And so that song brings a smell and it brings summer and it brings a very specific memory where I'm just like, and can see it. I can feel it. I can like in my body and the way that music has this power to capture time outside of logic um, is so interesting. And I know they've done, you know, studies with people who have Alzheimer's that music can bring you back to yourself and almost go around some of the ways memories usually work and bring this whole sense of being back into you, which I think is magical. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. Now when you were kind of, uh, getting, uh, maybe you were going into like your senior year of high school or I'm at some point in high school, I'm assuming, uh, like a lot of us, we start at least thinking a little bit about post high school, uh, whether that's going to college or, uh, you know, working full time, but a lot of us in high school as teenagers, we, we kind of start thinking about what we want to do or be quote unquote, when we grow up. Right. Um, so if you had some of those thoughts, what were you kind of thinking when you were a teenager? And then once you graduated from high school, Ashley, how did life kind of take you or how did life unfold um, from kind of those earlier thoughts about what you wanted to be uh, or do when you were uh, out of high school and all grown up? I wanted to be either a therapist or a psychiatrist when I was in high school. I wanted to maybe go into medicine. I mean, I remember in middle school, for some reason, I wanted to be a gynecologist or an OB. I thought the idea of birthing children or bringing children into the world was like a very magical, very special thing. Um, I ended up going to college in upstate New York and I studied neuroscience, which is what my degree is in. So I, you know, I got to school and I still didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. And I think that that is a big question that I get a lot with the work that I'm doing. What is the purpose of my life? What is the meaning? What should I do with this time I have on the earth? Um, but at that time I was really following passion and something that my parents had always told me is to take the professor not the class, do the thing you're interested in, not the thing you think, you know, I'm really grateful that I had that space to follow what I was passionate about versus like the logic. Um, I remember sophomore year of college, I had, the, I had the choice between taking a class in poetry and taking organic chemistry and organic chemistry is very much going down the pre-med track. And I wasn't totally convinced I wanted to be a doctor. And I was like, do I want to hate myself for a semester and just like cry over chemistry or do I want to like write poetry? And I decided to write poetry. And I think that that has been um, a really big influence to my life of following what I'm passionate about and doing things that bring, make me more me. And you know, even when I was graduating from college, I still didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. I didn't know where, you know, I had a degree in neuroscience. I still wasn't convinced I wanted to go to med school. I was like, I don't know if I want to be a doctor. I don't want to know if I want to go to grad school. Like, I don't really know what I want to do with this. And at that time, um, about a year previously, I'd gone through a really, really intense social situation that had triggered some pretty intense mental health stuff for me. And in that, in that time I had what we like to call a dark night of the soul, where I felt like I hit rock bottom. And in that moment had this really big spiritual awakening where I was, had run from myself and run from who I was. Cause I thought that that person wasn't likable and that person wasn't lovable and that person wasn't accepted. And I kind of hit this moment of, I ran so far, I ran into the ground where I realized 
I'm the only one who gets to decide my relationship with the world and myself. And I have to, like, it was this pivot point really. And that was back in 2018. I was like, where do I go from here? Because I don't want to sit at this place where like, I don't want to exist anymore. So how do I want to exist? What do I want to do with my life to make it one that I want to live? And I think a lot of what, how I have approached my life since then has been this place of how do I create a life that I want to be in? And how do I create a life that I feel excited about? And how do I live a life that I'm inspired by? And I want to get up every morning. And I, the people in my life are like the most incredible friends and the work I do like fills up my soul. Like, how do I find that? Cause in that moment I was like, this is not, I don't like this anymore. Like I don't want to keep doing this. So it was really this moment of choice of who do I want to be? And how do I want to live? And what kind of life do I want to live? And I really think that just pivoted everything to the point in which I just, it's it's taken me on this beautiful journey to where I am now. And I know that it'll take me on some really incredible journeys in the future. Okay. Now, if you don't mind, I would like to kind of uh, just have you share a little bit more about some of the, like the mental health uh, stuff that you've mentioned. You said that you had some of that uh, uh, struggle when you were, I think, in high school, and then you just mentioned it again, you know, in in college. So specifically, what was kind of like the mental health uh, struggles that you you've dealt with, and maybe you still do, I don't know. But just would you would you touch on that because that's a that's a really serious uh, topic uh, of conversation in our culture now, and I'm mm-hmm. thankful that there's a lot more awareness uh, being brought to mental health. Uh, especially like, you know, anxiety and depression and things of that nature. Cause you know, I have my own, uh, I've had my own mental health, uh, struggles since I was a tween. So, um, it's something that's like near and dear to my heart. And I love having conversations with people about it because I feel like the more light that we can shed on mental health, the more conversations between us adults that we can have, uh, you know, it's just gonna, it's gonna touch somebody and it's gonna, it's gonna help somebody that's maybe going through their dark night of the soul right now. Right. So, um, would you just kind of share a little bit about your mental health journey, your mental health struggles and kind of where you're at right now with all of that, Ashley, if you don't mind? Yeah, of course. I'm very open about it. And I feel very passionate about talking about this and diffusing the stigma and knowing that ha- struggling with mental health, you know, there are people when I was growing up, of just like, just be happy. Just, you know, I, amount of times that I heard in high school of like, it gets better. I literally would want to punch people. Cause like, that's nice, but I feel like I'm in hell right now. Like, don't tell me it gets better because this sucks. And I don't want to just like grin and bear it until this ends. Like I want a solution. Like, I don't want to feel this way. Um, I never had like an official diagnosis, but I, um, as a person and neurodivergent, so I, you know, ADHD, I'm anxiety, depression are all things that I have dealt with over my life and trying to, live in a world that I don't often feel like was built for me. Like I would do great in the forest (laughs) with no technology where I could just write, you know, ride horses and write poetry. Like there's a part of me that longs, I think sometimes for um, a different time period where I could have just like existed as myself versus feeling, you know, pinholed into like, there's something wrong with you. Mm. Where I, I still don't think that, you know, the flip side to, you know, the types that I'm, have been depressed and the times that I've really struggled with these moments, um, for me and how I've looked at it for my own relationship with them has been a disconnect from myself and a disconnect from my truth and a disconnect from my ability to feel what I'm feeling. And oftentimes what would happen. And I used to describe this as a kid of 
I remember like very vividly being in my minivan with my mom describing like, I feel like I have a balloon and I will shove my emotions into my balloon and I will try to be okay for only so long. But at some point the balloon's going to pop and then it does. And then I lose my mind. I would have these like full-blown tender tantrums. I would feel like, you know, I was crying and I couldn't stop. I would, you know, have, I struggled with panic attacks. I, and it's interesting because if you knew me at school, you would think I was this really bubbly, very friendly, very warm person. And I was really good at pretending like I was fine until I wasn't. And then the amount of people that I felt safe enough around to show that I wasn't fine was really hard to be like, am, am I still lovable even when I'm like, feel like I'm falling apart? And I don't know who I am and I don't know how to feel okay. And I had this incredible therapist when I was in high school. And I remember there was a day that I walked in and I just like was not doing great. Like I I begged my parents to go to therapy. I went to therapy and I was just like having a really, really, really hard time. And she was like, what do you want right now? And I was like, honestly, to lie on the floor. And I remember lying down on the floor and she laid down on the floor with me and we just like sat there. And I will never forget this, like how meaningful it was to me that she didn't try to fix me, that she was willing to sit there with me and what I was feeling. And she said it was okay to feel what I was feeling, made me feel so seen and made me feel like I wasn't damaged or I wasn't broken or there was some part of me that was like failing at life because I was having all of these emotions that I simply did not know what to do with. And, you know, it went on into college and, you know, I worked with psychiatrists, I work with therapists. And if I could go back, I think a lot of what I do now is because I wish that I had had someone then that would have been like, I hear you. Who do you want to be? Hmm. Like, I understand how much you want to fit in. I understand how much you don't want to feel this way. And I think I wanted you know, rather than this is kind of who I am as a person where I really want a solution and where I've ended up as on my own spiritual journey and my own mental health journey is that we are the only people who can decide what works for us. There are going to be a lot of really incredible tools. You know, exercise is one of them that I preach. You know, meditation is an incredible one. Journaling is another incredible one. Um, Therapy is another incredible one. There's a lot of ways to process this but you are, we are the only people who are going to know what's going to work for us. And I wish that I could go back in time and look at myself and be like, there's nothing wrong with you. You are lovable as you are. I get that you're suffering. Where can we go from here? Where do you want to go from here? I wish that the choice had been given back to me. And I think that's something that I, when it comes to recovery from any type of trauma is the most important thing to do is to realize you have a choice. Cause when we feel trapped, that's when we like start to panic as people. And we're like, I don't know what to do now. Um, now let, I want to talk, I want to touch on the the therapy and having a therapist. And, and you said you went and saw like a psychologist and things like that mm-hmm. as well. Uh, Cause that's just an area. Like I've never gone to a, a therapist myself. It's, it's stuff that I've thought about, of course, and things like that, but um, I'm a I'm in public education mm. and I've I've really been looking uh at you know transitioning from uh what I do as a PE teacher and getting getting into becoming like a, a school counselor, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because I just love 
and and something that sets my soul on fire is like the one-on-one human connection, right? That's why I love podcasting because it's just two humans uh, talking life, right? Um, and uh, it's just it's just something unique and special about just that one-on-one uh, human connection. Uh, because like when you're a t- when you're like you know I I do PE or if you're like you know a science teacher math teacher. Um, you know, you've got 20 or 25 kids, students in your classroom. And that's just, it's hard to make that, that personal connection. So anyways, um, I'm, I'm very interested in the, like that whole therapy world. And I've had numerous therapists on the podcast. I just love having conversations with them, but for you, Ashley, I know you said that one therapist, like asked you, like, what do you, what do you, what do you want to do right now? And you said, I just want to lay on the floor and you did. And then she, she, she joined you. Right. Um, but what do you feel like, uh, you know, in terms of therapy or therapists, like what can they bring to the table for somebody that's struggling or, you know, going through, uh, the dark night of their soul, so to speak, like what, what, what is, what is therapy? What, what is a therapist? Like, what, what does that look like? What, what does that mean? Like, um, what's the value of, of, of that for, for us human beings? So I, I, for context, I am a coach, which I know I said, so I don't have a degree necessarily in therapy. I have done a lot of therapy for myself when I was in my coach training, part of what I thought was really interesting. And this is maybe an oversimplification of the difference between a therapist and a coach where therapists will look present to past. So how do, what you're going through right now, how does your past, how does, your childhood, how does do the experience that you went through influence your present and help you almost piece apart, um, you know, your, this behavior might've come from your mom having cancer or, you know, the way that you feel right now might come from feeling displaced by your twin sisters, like really diving into the psychological um, dynamics. And there's a lot of different therapists who practice different types of therapy. And part of it too, is bringing part of what is in the unconscious into the conscious mind so we can have awareness about how we're feeling or what we're doing or the behavior patterns that we have so that we can then shift them and transform them. Now, coaches, what they'll do is they'll work with where you are now and where you want to go. Now, obviously like that therapists want to know where you want to go so they can help you figure out where you've been and coaches need some context to like what has happened to help you figure out how to transform that. But the differentiation of like working with a coach, it's like, okay, you know, what's going on. What do you want to do with it now? Where do you want to go with this? Where do you, how can we get you where you want to go? And how can we intentionally help you move forward? Whereas a therapist is going to sit here with you and really help you unpack and unwind and unweave the past. And I will a lot of times work with people who are also in therapy. And if there's a certain level of, um, when I have a client come in with a certain level of personal experience, there are sometimes I will actually say like, in order to work with you, you need to also be in therapy because I'm not a therapist and I'm not trained to help you process the dynamics that's coming up. And so the only safe way to do this is to also be in therapy. Um, I think it can bring a lot of clarity and awareness to work with another individual and to have your life be mirrored. And also for me, it makes sense and to be validated and to be like, well, the reason you're feeling like this is because of this. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm not crazy. There's nothing wrong with me. I went through something 
that shaped the way that I'm thinking now and feeling now and behaving now and unwinding some of that within yourself, I think can be, at least for me, was incredibly helpful Mm -hmm. and understanding the dynamics and creating as well, compassion and acceptance for the people in my life, knowing that none of us are perfect. I'm not perfect. My parents aren't perfect. My sisters aren't perfect. My friends aren't perfect. My exes aren't perfect. Like we are, we are humans who are having a you know, I like to joke that I think of humanity as boot camp for the soul. And we were like, okay, we're going to go down there. We're going to learn some things. And you get that down there and there's a drill sergeant screaming at you. And they're like, you need to army crawl through this barbed wire. And it's like hailing. And you're like, I didn't sign up for this. Like, it's hard. And I think there's a moment where I like to think of like, how do we grease the wheels of this? How do we make this experience easier? And how can we look at as people are life as an opportunity to discover our own inner freedom. And I think there's a lot of different tools. And I think therapy is one of them to free yourself from the story of the past and decide what story you want to be living and what story you want to tell. Mm. Very well put. Uh, How did you uh, end up in New York for college when you were a California girl? That's, uh, that's coast to coast right there. Uh, short story. I needed space. I needed space. I needed to figure out who I wanted to be. Um, one of my counselors at the camp that I went to had gone to Colgate university, which is where I went. Um, and so I was on my list of schools that I went to visit. And I remember I had already applied to another school that I thought I really wanted to go to. And that application had already been due, but I went to look at some other schools just to see what would happen and walked onto campus and had this very strong, very intuitive feeling of like, I'm supposed to be here. I don't have any explanation as to why I, I, but I need, this is like, I had this feeling Mm -hmm. that this calling almost. And I've always been a very intuitive person who makes decisions very much based on my intuition. And that was one of those moments where I just, I just knew, and I didn't know how to explain this knowing that I had, um, but knew that I had to follow it. Yeah. Okay. Since we're there, uh, when I introduced you, uh, you know, uh, with your professional introduction, it's, and it's, I took it from your Instagram bio, but you're an intuitive transformation coach. So you just brought up intuition. Mm -hmm. Uh, so let's, 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 since we're, since we're there, let's, 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 uh, pull back the layers on what, what is intuition? Uh, what what is it to be? Uh, you know, an intuitive uh, transformation coach or an intuitive coach? Like, talk about how you tap into your intuition to help uh, and empower other humans. So, intuition is the language of the self. And the self sits in our body. It's our most present, most aware. The combination of all the different parts of ourselves. And I like to say that it is the language of ourself and the self is receiving information, intuition or information from our soul. Mm -hmm. So our soul is speaking, our self is interpreting and it goes beyond external logic. I like to think of it as the internal information that we have and how we feel towards something. It can be this unexplainable knowing that we have. I don't know why I can't do this, but I need to not go this way. Or I have this overwhelming sense of, I need to turn left. It works with each one of our senses that we have. So different people will pull on their intuition in different ways. 
typically I hear about it the most is this deep embodied feeling of just knowing something. And sometimes it can be a thought and sometimes it can be this, like I get full body chills around something. There can be this sense of receiving information internally. That's not logic based. Like I, I, I know I'm supposed to do this. I know this is supposed to how this work, but like I, there's something else coming up for me. And part of what I do, um, as, as a coach and as an intuitive transformation coach and healer, I guide people to listen to their intuition. I guide them to listen to themselves. I guide individuals to meet their soul and meet the many different versions of ourself that we have, whether it's through archetypal work, whether it's through working with inner children, their inner teenagers, whether it's working with your highest self, which is the purest expression of your soul, whether it's working with your shadows, the parts of us that we do not like to look at because they are the grungier or the grittier or the parts of us that you know, that hide in the shadows because they aren't seen seen as worthy or they're seen as shameful or we have fear over them of what could happen if this, you know, a little more um, destructive part of us comes up and seeing who we are. So our innermost self as who we are and these different versions of ourselves that can come into play in different situations, but they're not the same, like seeing them as, as different or separate, connected, but separate versions, I think can create a lot of awareness around, well, my inner child's really present right now. Like I'm really needing comfort. Or I'm really needing something. How can I then meet this need to transform the way I feel to navigate life in a way that is, I can do it so confidently and I can do it from this place of empowerment. I know what I want. I know where I want to go. And I think something that has happened to me. And I'm similar. I'm curious if it is similar to you of there's a point where you realize like there is no right way to do it. Like life, there is no, like, you know, I think as a kid, you're like, well, like I'm going to grow up and I'm going to be, get a job. And then you grow up and you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like I could do any, like I could quit my job tomorrow and move to Africa. I could go join the Peace Corps. I like, there's, there really is the sense of anything is possible. And I find that listening to our intuition allows us to follow our own roadmap. Mm -hmm. And I think of it as the compass. If life is this treasure map that we have, the compass, our inner compass, our intuition is how we navigate and know where we're meant to go versus following other people's dreams or following other people's blueprints. It's deciding and defining your own way of navigating through life. Mm. Now, Okay, we're gonna. I want to. I want to kind of continue to go down the road of you know coaching and all of that. But before we continue down that road, I want to take a quick step back. Uh, now, once you graduated from uh, college, Ashley, what wh where did you go? What did you do like immediately post college? And then from that point, kind of walk us down that path or that trail or that road that kind of led you into. Uh, you know, the coaching, and then we'll, uh, we'll kind of guide ourselves a little bit deeper into, into that realm. So I remember my spring semester of college and, you know, applying to different jobs, but not really necessarily knowing what I wanted to do. And I inter interviewed for this job in New York city. One of my aunts had said like, everyone should live in New York city, do it when you're young. And so I had this mind about me that I was going to move to New York city. So I kind of just took the first job that I got of like, great, this will take me to New York. And I remember leaving college and feeling very disoriented of like, I don't 
know if this is for me. I don't really know who I am. And I, when I was in college around the same time of going through the dark night of soul, I had gotten my first reading, my first psychic reading that I'd ever have and was blown out of the water by the level this woman knew me and understood me and saw me, even though she had never met me and we were talking over the phone and the way that I, in that moment, so deeply needed to be seen and understood. And she did that. And even when I was, you know, in college, I would pull cards with friends and would be mind blown. I was like the statistical odds that I'm going to say something and then flip over a card that says the exact same thing that I just said, like my scientific brain was like this, something is happening here because the science behind it, like it shouldn't be working as often as it's working. And I moved to New York. I kind of just took this job as a placeholder. I was like, this will pay me money. This will like give me space to kind of figure out who I am, what I want to be and where I want to go. And that's really what I looked at it as. And that end of summer, beginning of fall, like was introduced into cards and started working with this woman and was trained in Reiki and kept having these experiences that felt bigger than life in this way that I felt like my mind was being stretched and blown and my understanding of reality was being expanded into this space where I had these tools to navigate life, where I I was really, to be completely honest with you, looking for a life hack to stop feeling, stop suffering. Like that's why I got into this. I was like, okay, I don't like where I am. I want to like where I'm going. If I can, the tools that I've had so far haven't been working. There's something about this that is making me feel better and making me feel more seen and in retrospect, obviously a couple of years later, we are always going to suffer. Like that's, you know, struggling, having hard days is kind of part of being human. What has really shifted for me is my lens of life, similar to the mantra that I had shared earlier of everything is working out for me, no matter how it looks at any given point in time. Like that is now the lens and the intention I have towards my entire life. And I think moving from this place of, I don't know why anything is happening. I don't know how to position my experience and how to make meaning out of my life. And I really need meaning as all of us humans do. Like that's part of what we do as humans. We make meaning out of life and spirituality and these different spiritual practices really gave me that path. And I started, you know, I was still very much struggling with my own mental health and would have panic attacks at work that I called like an energetic allergy. Like I remember I'd walk in, there was something about the fluorescent lights and the noise that would just set me off. And I couldn't get like the environment would just trigger me and I couldn't get it to stop. And ended up quitting my job, even though I didn't have something else to go into. Like, it just felt like I just couldn't do it anymore. And I didn't have the space where I could find another job while I was still at this job that was sucking so much of my life and spent a month, um, in early 2020, right after I'd quit trying to figure out what to do next, had been interviewing for another job and really, really wanted it to the point in which I was like overly using my spiritual tools to try and like manifest and make it happen and didn't end up getting it. And I remember walking down the streets of New York crying, which is, you know, New York city really teaches you, like you can just be who you are. Like no one cares. Like there's this level of just like audacity that I think comes in of like, I can cry. I can scream. Like people don't care. Um, And I had booked a trip to go home to visit my family 
because I was so convinced I was getting this job. And I remember when I didn't get it, my mom was like, well, do you want to wait? Do you want to go? I was like, no, I need to come home that week. And funny enough, that was the week that COVID hit. And so I just stayed in California. And, you know, that takes me into being in this place of not being employed and trying to figure out what I want to do next and getting more and more into energy healing, into these ancient practices and these um, holistic and alternative healing modalities and have the opportunity while I was living at home, didn't have to pay rent, was kind of in this place of like, I can do anything of getting to start my own business. And that's kind of what has taken me to where I am now. Mm. Um, I just want to lightly touch on it. I don't want to get too deep into it because it's just uh, not where I want to go with our conversation, but for, for you, uh, during like the, the, that, the, the, I'll just call it the COVID era, uh, during the COVID times, was that, um, you know, a difficult time period for you or was it actually, uh, a great or positive time period for you specifically, Ashley? You know, I think it was both. And I, I had the privilege to, not have the financial burden of trying to worry about that and had the true privilege of being able to live at home in California and, you know, tan outside and to read books and to like really dive into my own studies and to get really close with my littlest sister. And also my parents got divorced during COVID. My mom, you know, they, that was the time that they were like separating and that kind of happened. And I found out about that when I got home when COVID had originally hit. So there was a lot of like family stuff that was coming up and there was just a lot of messiness. And I, I still think that, and I'll graze over this briefly, but I still think that we as a society are dealing with the collective trauma that was COVID and the way that isolation and deep internal reflection to that level brings so much up to the surface that oftentimes like we're not, we, what do we do with this now? Like, you know, and I think that there was this feeling of, um, and this is my, my perspective of we just wanted to get back to normal and things aren't normal. Like you can never go back. It's like a mind once stretched will never regain its original state. And we were all stretched collectively during that time through our various personal experiences. And I think we're still grappling as a society of like, what do we do? Like, I, I know this about myself. Things have changed. I don't feel the same. Things feel different. Like, how, what do I do now with that? Where do I go from here? Um, Yeah. Okay. So you, you have like a, you have some time to pause. I'm going to use that terminology in your life. Uh, you got to be at home and sunbathe and read books and all that stuff during COVID, which sounds uh, pretty good on uh, from, from my perspective, but you, the, the important part I think from your story is you had time to pause. You had time to, to figure some things out. You had time to explore who you uh, were at that time, where you wanted to go. So um, you know, once, uh, 2020 kind of started to come to an end, we start going into 2021, like talk about some of your training, talk about some of the education, talk about some of the, uh, the, the routes that you decided to take in terms of this kind of like spiritual journey and getting into coaching and all that. I just kind of want to get more into the nuts and bolts of that. If you don't mind, Ashley. Yeah, of course. So I was trained in Reiki back in 2019. Reiki, if you don't know, is a Japanese energy healing modality that was synthesized in the early 1900s, late 1800s by a man named Mikao Usui, um, was brought over to the US um, by a woman named Hawaii Takata and was really integrated. The Japanese look at uh, Reiki as a very 
from my understanding as a very medicinal, almost similar to acupuncture. I think the way that it has been spun with different new age techniques brings it a little out of the, the very somatic experience. And as I was experiencing my training with Reiki, as I did my own intuitive coaching training the summer of 2020, where I was introduced to different shamanic practices and different meditative practices and different, um, you know, psychic practices of bringing the spirituality into a way that can really support people in this moment. And, you know, the, the spiritual health that we all have, um, and I was synthesizing this together and trying to figure out what this would do. And I had felt like I had found something that was my calling. And there was a lot of very much with love, but a lot of pushback that I received of like, you should get a real job. You should get some job security. You should like, there is a thing called health insurance. Like there's a lot of pushback that I was receiving. And I remember meeting that pushback and having this overwhelming feeling of like, no, this is what I need to do with my life. And I was, you know, working for a couple of small businesses on the side, doing admin work and um, to supplement some income and had this point where I hit my expiration date of living at home. And was like, I need to go be an adult again. Like, I love you all, but I'm going to, I need to go. I need to leave and move to Denver, which is where I am now. And again, hit the ground and was like, okay, now what do I do with my life? What do I create? And since then, I've really been developing and building my own skill set and my own tools of merging in my training and neuroscience and my understanding of the somatic and the nervous system and the way that our mind works and the way that our body works alongside some of these spiritual practices that I've been trained in. Um, I did my into uh, trauma-informed coach, coaching training in 2022, sp- spring of 2022. Um And I've been continued to just, I'm a lifelong learner and continue to just want to look at both sides of the spectrum. And I've always said that I think of spirituality and modern science, ancient spiritual practices and modern sciences as two sides of the same coin. You'd be surprised how much neuroscience mimics manifestation techniques, or we look at, you know, deep like psychological unconscious states or the way that we're moving between different brain waves or hypnosis merges with some of the shamanic trainings that you can do. Um, I feel consistently inspired to see two levels of information that people have arrived at from two very different perspectives arrive at the same conclusion where I typically then I'm like, okay, something's going on here. Something, something works here. And just recently read an incredible book called the awakened brain by at least Dr. Lisa Miller that talks about how spirituality actually creates resistance to depression in our brains and creates a thickening of the cortex that atrophies when we experience severe depression. And I think that I I continue to feel very inspired by the work and the way in which we can, we can look at healing and we can look at integration and we can look at the way we create meaning and create peace and create a sense of fulfillment and joy within life um, from this holistic perspective to allow people to experience this freedom that they will feel the way they want to feel and live the life they want to live. Now, something I want to touch on here, Ashley, uh, in our conversation is, um, you know, you've, you've mentioned several times, like, you know, when you're a teenager and in college and, and even after college, you're, you're, you were on this, uh, uh, journey of like, of searching in regards to who you were, right. And kind of like what you wanted. Now, 
I believe, uh, you know, as humans, we're uh, if we if we so choose, we're 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 constantly changing and evolving, right? Mm-hmm. Um, who who I was yesterday is not who I am today, nor is who I am today going to be who I am tomorrow because that's my mindset, that's my that's my uh, intentionality. Uh, so uh, with that being said, you know, like currently, um, who are you? And practically, how have you kind of uh, gotten to where you are at now and and the confidence that you have in who Ashley B. Jones is? Like, what are some of those practical steps that you've taken to kind of discover who you are today and who who you want to be tomorrow and where you want to go in the future? And and this is, uh, you know, for, for us as the listeners to kind of like, grasp like a little bit more of your story and your journey, but also for us listeners, it's how, how can I maybe begin to take some of these steps like Ashley or similar to Ashley, because maybe I'm in that spot of, I just don't know. Yeah. Sorry. My cat just meowed. She's sitting behind. My voice is probably louder than your cat's meow. So <laughs> she's like, hello, I'm here too. That's um, okay. She, she wants to be seen, right? A hundred percent. Oh, she's coming over. You're not, can't see the camera, but she's coming around to say hello. Uh, (laughs) But I am a kind person and I am a person who approaches the world with an open heart. I am a good person. I am a loving person. I am a joyful person. I am a complex person. I am someone who looks at life's mysteries and wants to know and wants to understand. I am incredibly empathetic and intuitive as a human. I am very goofy and love to laugh and to giggle and to play and to find joy. And I am also, I think, an adventurer and someone who seeks seeks to understand, as I said, and to experience as much of life as I can to really be, feel like I have experienced life and to feel stretched. And I, it's one of the reasons I love having conversations with people and love being challenged because I feel like I grow as a person. And I think that's another key part of who I am is someone who is very growth oriented now, these things that, you know, as I'm saying, I think what fascinating question that you just asked me, because I do think these things change over time and who we are, you know, who I was 30 minutes ago is not the same person I am now. Like having this conversation with you has opened my mind and has asked me to reflect and to understand and to, to take my life and to put it into context in new ways. I think there are parts of us as humans that never change. There are fundamental aspects that we get to sit with our, our core values that I think sit at the, the deepest core of who we are. And only we can decide who that is. We get to decide what we resonate with. We get to be discerning of what we choose to claim as authentic to us. I think authenticity can sometimes be a really interesting conversation because what's authentic and different circumstances is, you know, I'm being deeply authentic when I'm 
be in my professional role, that is going to be a different level of me than who I am with my parents and who I am as a friend or who I am, you know, at a concert versus who I am relying on the beach. Now, the way that I express who I am can show up differently, but I continue to sink into understanding more and more who I am. And that journey, you know, going from someone, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, actually, of someone who is hopeful and someone who actually has an incredibly positive outlook on life and has chosen to look at life from a positive lens. You know, I think it's different from having one versus choosing to have one. And looking back at me, who would have literally yelled at me for saying like, life is good. I was like, life is not good. Like at that moment. And knowing that we get to define who we are in this world. And I had to have those, I I believe that those experiences informed and gave me context to decide where I want to go from here. And there definitely have been a, a myriad of experiences that have influenced you know, my ability to define and understand who I am, lived experiences, nature, nurture, you know, these different ways of understanding us. And at the same time, one of the biggest things that I think has pulled me out of the, the, the fixed reality of like, I'm suffering or these, these identities that I think that I absorbed of like, I'm a bad person or I am unlovable or I'm unworthy to flip them into a place where I know that I'm lovable and I know that I'm worthy and I know that I'm a good person have been these spiritual practices that I feel like have almost pulled me out of this minute in reality and have allowed me to see the truth of who I am. And I remember when I had just quit my job in New York city and I was having this, like, I don't know what I'm doing now. Like I'm back at this, I'm back at square one. Like, I don't know where I go from here. I, sat down and I said to myself, I were journaling at this cafe in the Lower East Village or Lower East Side and thought to myself, like when I am on my deathbed and I look back at my life, what will I have thought of as success? What will have made my life meaningful? And that was one of the biggest pivots for me. Because I think it really pulled me out of the the media into this way of like, what is actually meaningful to me? What do I find meaningful? What will, you know, if, if today is the last day that I have to live, like, how do I want to spend my time? Another question that I love to ask is, if you could do anything for money, what would you do? If you could do anything in your life and make as much money as you wanted to make, what would you do? And I think sometimes as we pull ourselves out of some of the constraints that society brings of like, how do I make a living? How do I feed myself? How do I take care of my basic needs? That these can be really interesting clues of discovering what we find meaningful. And typically what we find meaningful is often a reflection of who we are inside. And I think, you know, realizing that when we strip back the layers of, you know, I love playing music. Why do I love playing music? Because I love the way music makes me feel. And I love the way that it expresses, wow, I'm probably a really deeply creative person. I probably really like to experience all the different feelings life has to offer. Or if you think about someone who's like, I love to travel. Like what, what, when you strip that back, like, why do I like to travel? What does travel make me feel when we can start to question and dig down into the different things that, that, we experience in our life and like why we are drawn to them and why we are doing them. We, we gain this level of self-awareness and this clarity of like, Oh, 
oh, that's how I'm relating to the world. And this is how I can hold space for who I am and what I want and where I want to go and who I want to be. And I'm constantly checking in with myself of like, okay, I'm here. Am I frustrated with where I am? Like if I'm feeling some type of way, why am I feeling this way? Do I need to stop thinking about it? Do I need to go <laughs> scream into a pillow? Do I need to go lift some heavy weights for an hour? Do I need to go hike in the mountains and turn my brain off? Like, what do I need to shift out of this so I can gain clarity and see my experience and understand who I am and understand really where I want to go? And also know that like, there is a level of impermanence that I think we need to remember we have in life of like, nothing is promised and nothing is, you know, we, we, we have only a certain level of control over our life. What then do I want to do with that control? And what then do I want to influence around my reality and around the life that I'm living? Hmm. Where, so with the topic of, of where you want to go with your life, I'm kind of fascinated and curious, uh, to kind of know like today, uh, November 26, 2023, um, what are, what are, what's that vision that you have for your future, mm-hmm. Ashley, or what are some of those thoughts, uh, surrounding your future that you are currently having? Um, can you, can you kind of share that with us if you don't mind? Of course. Um, I see myself living on a plot of land. I would love to have a horse. I love horses. I would love to have a dog or two, a cat or two. Um, I think, you know, 20, 30 years into the future, I'll have, you know, three children, a couple children, a loving partner. I will be deeply connected to the community that I'm in and the community that I create and the community that I get to be a part of. I will be supporting the liberation of people and creating spaces for people to find their own liberation. Um, I would love to be traveling and to be able to experience different cultures and different teachings. I would love to write a book. I would love to um, also have space to experience the slowness of life and to enjoy sunrises and sunsets and be in the small moments that life has to offer And I I will feel warm and content and inspired. Excellent. Uh, Now, business-wise, currently, let's let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, you said that there was some pushback when you told, you know, uh, I'm assuming like family members, close friends, things like that that, you know, you maybe weren't going to go in the direction that they thought you should or the societal norms, whatever all that garbage is. Right. Um, but let's, I want to, I want to kind of wrap up and finish up, uh, with kind of the, the entrepreneurial journey that you've been on, because it kind of coincides with the, the spiritual journey. Um, and this, uh, I'll call it an, uh, this, uh, journey of awakening, this journey of personal awakening that you've been going through. It kind of coincides with the, the entrepreneurial, uh, journey, right. Uh, and I used to live in Denver, uh, mm-hmm. have a lot of acquaintances in Denver, had a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, you know, on the podcast. And that's kind of my, my spirit as well. Right. Um, so being an entrepreneur is there's, there's a lot to that. And it's kind of a, a, a cool term nowadays, right. In our culture, you get on Instagram and I'm an entrepreneur and you see the cars <laughs> and all the, 
the flash, whether it's real or fake, that's uh, to be determined. But um, being an entrepreneur is something that's kind of culturally cool now. Uh, but there's a lot that goes into it. Um, it's it's a grind. It's hard. It's it's, it's it can be really wild and crazy. Uh, so talk about being an entrepreneur. Talk about the evolution of your business, and then I want to talk about, uh, or I want you to share a little bit about the the future vision that you have for your business. We've we've kind of talked about the 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 personal vision for yourself uh, for the future, Ashley. But let's talk about kind of the business and and that evolution, if you don't mind uh, discussing that for a little bit. Yeah, I grew up, so I think that my entrepreneurial spirit really was nurtured by my parents. My dad worked in startups his whole life. I grew up around very innovative, very creative, very, um, sorry, she's back. Uh, very inspiring people who saw problems in the world and wanted to create them. When I was deciding to become an entrepreneur and do my own thing, there was a part of me that wanted to be able to bring my own vision to life and wanted to, you know, I don't think there's necessarily a, a space where I could be hired as a intuitive transformation coach and healer, or Reiki practitioner. You know, I, I have worked at different spas or wellness centers here in Denver. You know, I think that there is a glamour to your point that has been brought to entrepreneurship that I would not say is as accurate as people like to make it out to be. Now I love the freedom that it gives me. And also there's a moment at the same time of like, okay, what do I do? What do I want to do with my life? Like if I get to bring my work to life, there is a huge skill set that goes into it that I am incredibly grateful for the friends that I have who are entrepreneurs, for the community of entrepreneurs that can refer me to someone to help me get health insurance, that can give me tax guidance, that can really bring clarity and uh, a very human part back to it of accounting and of strategy and of marketing. And I feel very grateful that I have a community here in Denver and, you know, digitally that has different skill sets around marketing and around branding that have allowed me to understand the full breadth of what it means to run a business and how to bring, how to sell and how to market and how to do so in a way that I connect to authentically in a way that feels very natural for the way that I run my business. Um, and there is a lot of self-discovery that goes to, like, you have to be okay failing. Like, I think that's a huge thing with, like, I started a business, um, it was a co-working space for intuitive entrepreneurs here in Denver, uh, back in 2022 and chose to close it this summer because it didn't feel like it was in alignment anymore. And I was burning myself out. And I realized that the, the reason I was doing it was no longer what the business was. And this was not something I really wanted to continue to pour my time and effort into. And there has to be a level of like, is it worth it? Is it worth the the hard moments? Is it worth, you know, pouring my blood, sweat and tears into this business and finding something that you are so deeply passionate about and you really want to bring to life to create some type of experience or to create some type of business for yourself. And I, it has been one of the greatest uh, accelerators, I would say, or um, experiences for me of really like almost like a crash course in 
understanding. And again, I love to learn and I love to put myself in uncomfortable positions and figure out how I'm going to figure my way out of that. And that is definitely something that I know about myself and who I am. And so I think entrepreneurship for me lends itself very well and um, creates those spaces for me to explore and to grow. Does that answer your question? Uh, yeah. What, um, okay. Now in terms of like the, the coaching business, right. Uh, I, I just want to give the listeners some, some, some practicals here. So, uh, what, just give us like the, 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 uh, the quick, uh, steps or the quick snapshot of, okay, you, 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 you were going in this direction of being a coach and going through your personal, uh, awakening, uh, journey. So talk about how you just like started like a coaching business. Like, what does that look like in actual reality? Because there's all kinds of people on Instagram, you know, with coach in their bio and all this Mm -hmm. and that. Right. But let's put all that smoke uh, to the side and let's, you're somebody that's actually doing it and living it. So practically speaking, what does it look like to say, Hey, I've got this idea. I'm moving in this direction of being a, a intuitive transformation coach and healer. Um, this, this is going to become a business. Like, what does that look like, uh, in practical steps? You know, I don't think I necessarily started out like the fully candidly, the title intuitive transformation coach and healer was something I rebranded myself as in September. And we're having this conversation in November. I think that part of the journey for me of entrepreneurship is like reinventing myself and like becoming more and more aligned with who I want to be and where I want to go. When I started my business, I was doing professional readings and Reiki sessions. And I realized that I didn't want to just be a one touch point for people. I really wanted to be a part of their journey of where they were to where they want to go. I really wanted to be that support system and didn't find the one-off experiences to be fulfilling for me. And so I was like, oh, that's really great knowledge. So then what do I want to do? And when I moved to Denver, I was doing tarot readings and I was at events and I was doing them at different um, boutiques and different centers. And I had was do practicing Reiki at different yoga studios and wellness centers. And through that experience, I was like, well, I actually really enjoy the talking part of this more. You know, I, I love the, the embodied part, but I really wanted to get to like, okay, let's help you get somewhere. Like, I'm not as interested in giving you, you know, psychic information or this being an entertainment purpose. Like I really want to use tarot and use Reiki as self-discovery tools for you to be able to understand where you are, what's blocking you so you can get where you want to go in life. And that was like, oh, that's coaching. Like, I want to be a coach. Like I, that's what I actually want to do with my life where I am right now which then took me to be like, oh, I should go get a professional coaching certification because I'm someone who really values um, licensure and education and background and experience when it comes to this world. And I and I think that's really important to have lived experience and have a lot of education that comes into this work, which is very serious to me. I take this work very, very seriously. And I take being a part of people's journeys and questioning and offering information very, very seriously, because I know the level of influence it has on someone, given my own personal experience with different coaches and healers. Um, but through that, you know, I think there there is this moment of realizing then when it comes to deciding and defining your business as a coach, what is your skill set? Like, what do you really enjoy doing from your lived experience? What 
did you struggle with? Cause typically what you've lived through and understood is then what you're best equipped to help people coach through because you you've done it yourself. And from there, how can you support people in getting where they want to go, which is where I work people who are people pleasers and perfectionists who feel lost and don't know who they are and don't know how to make the life that they want and are looking for tools to be able to resource within themselves, to be able to constantly and constantly be in a state of transformation. Or if there is a big life transition that happens for them, they know how to make that decision in a way that is in alignment and is true to themselves. Because those are things that I have personally gone through. And I, you know, the trauma-informed aspect, like I bring a lot of trauma-informed and uh, trauma recovery tools into my practice because those are things that I have personally gone through. And these are tools that I personally work through on a daily basis. So I think there is this level when it comes to starting a coaching business and to coaching that there is an importance of both lived experience and educational experience that comes into defining how you want to support people and becoming the version of themselves or moving to that place they want to be in. Hmm. Um, so like currently, uh, what's something that you find difficult, uh, in the day to day that can, that that's personally business wise, just in your life, right. The entire sphere of Ashley's life what do you find currently difficult or what is something that you are currently still uh, grappling with or struggling with in terms of, again, your, uh, your sphere that you're, you're living in, Ashley? I love this question. I was actually thinking about this earlier as I was driving back from the airport, trusting the timing. I am someone who, when I set my mind to something, I will run towards it and I will make it happen. And something that I've learned in the space I'm working with is my body and my mind are my tool. So if I'm not caring for my body and mind, I cannot do my work. I'm not someone who can, you know, pop on work and work from bed from nine to five. Like I have, like I'm showing up 150% when I do my work and there is a part of me that has really been grappling and it still continues to grapple with finding the balance of how much to do, when to do it, knowing that it doesn't have to be perfect to put the business out there. And also knowing that just because things aren't happening on the timeline that I want them to happen on, or I think they should happen on, that doesn't mean they're not going to happen. And can I trust like, that things are going to fall into place and that my love for this work and the dedication and the investment I put into it will speak for itself. And that I continue to, to grow around it rather than getting really frustrated, which I do sometimes that I'm like, why what's going on? Mm. You know? Yes. Okay. Now you brought up something that I, that I find very fascinating. It's something that I, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, I don't want to say I wrestle with it, but it's something that I'm very intentional about in my life. So uh, you, you you basically, you didn't use this terminology, but you're talking about self-care and, mm -hmm. and being your optimal self uh, so that you can show up optimally for your clients and for your people, right? And mm -hmm. so that's something that uh, I'm learning and I'm, I'm very intentional about in my own life as a, as a public uh, educator, uh, you know, I, I teach in a small school and, you know, there's, there's, you know, a shortage of, of teachers. There's a shortage of substitutes. There's a shortage of everything. Uh, you know, a few people do, do, you know, a hundred thousand different things. You're kind of expected to do uh, more than just teaching. 
Uh, but I'm very staunch about, okay, I'm, my, I'm getting paid to show up for these six classes and these students in these six classes uh, every single day. And, and, and I need to be my optimal self. And, and I know what I need to do to be my optimal self to show up for these six class periods and these students in these six class periods every single day. It's so easy to get sucked in, right? To the culture that we're in, to uh, the, the people that we're around. It's so easy to get uh, sucked into the busyness and the expectations of others and just be like, you know, that's where you become like, I don't know who I am. I don't know where I'm going. I'm sick. I'm tired. I'm just, I'm, I'm messed up. I'm jacked up and, you know, I'm burned out, right? <laughs> I've been down that road. I never want to go back down that road again. So that's why I'm, 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 I would say I'm almost passionate about this topic and I'm glad you mentioned it. So talk to us a little bit more about your self-care practices. We talked about your morning routine. That's, I think probably part of it, but talk about your self-care practices and what you need to go through and what you need to do so that you can show up as your optimal self for your people, for your clients. And, and why is that so important? Some people might be listening to this conversation and what I'm saying, they're like, they might not even necessarily understand it because they've been pulled in and sucked in, or they were just brought up in this culture that we live in of, you always got to be busy. You've always got to be doing more in order to get more and gain more. And it's just, it's the dog chasing the tail. It's, you're never satisfied. You're, you're, you're never going to be refreshed. You're never going to be who you were meant to be in that state. So for you, what does that self-care look like? What does all of this mean to you, Ashley? I love this. I love this. Thank you for bringing this up. I'm also incredibly passionate about it. You know, if we peel back, like why self-care, why do we do self-care? It's exactly what you said that I think the reason why we have these quarter life midlife crises of be having these moments where we're like, you know, I like to joke that the universe will knock before it enters and often it'll like whisper and then it'll tap and then it'll shout and then it'll bang and then it will Kool-Aid man through the door. And oftentimes when we are blindsided by something, there are, there are moments where we are truly blindsided, where there's, there's, we couldn't ever have predicted this thing happening. And there are also moments where we were, we are, and I'm speaking for personal experience, willfully ignorant, willfully ignoring something because we didn't want to deal with it. Or we were like, I'm convinced that if I just work harder or I prove myself more, or if I just give more and more and more and more and more and more, that it'll work versus realizing like, do I actually want this thing to work? And we can't figure out what we want unless we have the space where we can actually listen to ourselves. And when we are burnt out, our nervous system literally isn't working. Are when we are in this state of fight or flight, which which burnout brings us into when we're burning and burning and burning on both edges when we can't even hear ourselves think, our prefrontal cortex, which is the part of our brain that evaluates and makes decisions and these higher levels of executive functioning turns off. We go into fight or flight into the limbic system, which is the emotional brain, which is the animalistic brain that is just responding based on what's going to get us through the next minute, the next hour, the next day. And we find ourselves almost uh, controlled by our instincts rather than working with our ability to creatively problem solve our way out of things and, and to realize that, and this is a personal belief, this doesn't have to be suck so much. Like our lives don't have to be so hard. 
there are there is an aspect of life that is going to be difficult and is going to be hard in the way that when you start lifting weights for the first time you're going to have that burn in the muscle and you then when you continue to lift weights you're going to continue to have the burn in the muscle as you maintain but it doesn't have to feel as hard as i think that it is right now and when we aren't caring for ourselves and we're constantly giving away or we're constantly giving out externally we're not actually able to listen or hear or understand what our baseline even is. And a lot of what self-care looks like to me is listening to the self. And there are many different ways that we can do that physically. So food, are we feeding ourselves things that are going to literally give our body the nutrients that it needs? Are we drinking enough water? Are you, you know, listening to what feels right to your body and moving your body, creating that movement, creating that strength, actually creating the physical level of health and optimal health for yourself. Are you taking care of your mental state? You know, journaling, way you talk to yourself, the way you think about things, the way that you respond is where affirmations are really huge or quotes can be really huge or, you know, questioning the the limiting beliefs that we have that allow us to, you know, I'm stuck versus like, I have the opportunity to do whatever I want to do in life. Emotional health, like how am I feeling? certain things can I get more sunlight like the, the being able to be in our optimal state of existing allows us to live the life that we want to live and rather than feeling burdened or almost uh what's the word I'm looking for uh told or like given a prescription of like, this is what you have to deal with. There is a level of autonomy and choice that I think is really important too. And remembering that there are certain basic needs that we have to, we need enough sleep. Like we can't think straight if you're not getting enough sleep. If you can't eat three meals a day and eat good nutrients, you aren't going to be the best version of you. And it's going to, it's going to really, we're going to suffer and we don't need to suffer. And I think that's why, you know, it sounds like for you too, of like, Teachers are the greatest tool and I have so much admiration for what you do and the the work that you all do. And I, my heart breaks for the way I think that we are treating our education system because it is the most influential thing, I believe, when it comes to the health and the prosperity of our population and of our civil society. And I think education is like the biggest thing. And for me, it was one of those things that allowed me to critically think allowed me to know how to question, allowed me to understand what it means to understand the information I'm taking in and to evaluate it. And I, and I believe that education and and knowledge is one of the greatest powers of this world. And we need our teachers to be okay. We need as people to be okay. Like we need our doctors and our nurses who are completely burnt out right now to be okay so that we can be doing our best work and we can be moving towards a happier, healthier, more fulfilled, more free society. And if we're not investing, and this is where I think I come back to the Mother Teresa quote of like, we can't all do great things. We can't all be in charge of, you know, giving billions of dollars away or making global decisions, but we all do have the ability to be kind to do small acts of kindness, to take care of ourselves, to treat each other with compassion, to see the little moments. And that's where I think that to me is the biggest thing. Cause it's like, okay, then what, what little thing can I do today? That's going to make my life better. I think, uh, I think that's a great, uh, and ending point there, Ashley. Uh, <laughs> I think we've covered a lot of, a lot of topics, a lot of bases. We've peeled back some layers with your, your story. So, uh, 
uh, we'll, we'll, we'll end it right there. Uh, I think self-care is uh, a great, a great, uh, ending, uh, spot. Um, now, uh, before I kind of, uh, do a quick outro here and we, we officially end our conversation, Ashley, I do, uh, want to kind of give you the opportunity. Um, if you feel like there's anything that you want to leave with all of us, uh, before we, uh, wrap up our, our chat, our conversation today, um, I want to kind of give you the platform to, 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 to say what you want to say. Uh, and um, then I would love to have you share um, where people can connect with you, where people can find you in terms of uh, social media, if there's a website, all, all kind of uh, all the things in, in that uh, regard. So I'm going to turn it over to you. Uh, whatever you would like to, to share with us in closing, including uh, ways we can contact you and connect with you. Uh, platform's yours. I'll do a quick outro and then, uh, we'll, uh, we'll get you out of here. So platform's yours, Ashley. Thank you. Um, I just want everyone to know that, like, I know that life can be messy, but you do have the power to make the changes in your life and to create the life that you want to live as impossible as that may feel right now, finding one small way, one small thing to do today very small, very successful. Like if it's, you know, I don't have time to sit down and meditate for 20 minutes. Can you do it for three minutes? Can you journal half a page? Like finding something that you can do that feels meaningful and allows you to support and fill up your own cup is so important and can be that thing that starts you on this transformation journey of really making the changes that you want to see in your life and in the world around you. So I'm so grateful to have been here with you today, Quentin. Um, if anyone would like to connect or dive deeper or send me a message or um, potentially work together, you can find me on Instagram at ashley.b.jones or on my website at ashleybjones.com. Um, it's been such an honor and I feel grateful to even get to have had these conversations for you to ask the incredibly inspiring and deep questions that you did and to be able to share my story with you all today. All right. Well, uh, you're welcome, Ashley. And again, thank you uh, so much for coming on and sharing your story. Okay. Thank you. Uh, all of you who are tuning into uh, this episode of Curious and Candid, I just want to say uh, thank you so much, so very much. I appreciate all of you. I value all of you. And uh, if you would like to connect with me, I would love to connect with you. Uh, there's a couple places that we can connect. Uh, Instagram, uh, curious and candid podcast, feel free just to, uh, reach out to me, shoot me a DM on Instagram and we'll take it from there. Another place that you, uh, can connect with me or, or reach out to me, uh, would be through email. And that is curious and candid podcast at gmail.com. Uh, before you guys, uh, take off for the day, um, if you would do me a huge favor and please subscribe to curious and candid on iTunes and uh, leave us a five-star rating review. That would be greatly appreciated. And if you are interested in holistic lifestyle coaching, you can check out my website, which is awakentrainingandnutrition.com. Again, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Curious and Candid, and I'll catch you guys next time.